I just lost my entire train of thought. That's gone. Okay. I don't know. I no idea. <laughs> I had something I was saying with that too. I'm really Goodbye. mad. Goodbye. <laughs> back to another episode of is fitz happy i'm luke and i'm emma and today we are discussing chapter 21 princes we had a little discussion of princes last episode actually we did probably, now we get more <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> probably not about the same topics as last episode <laughs> well a little different um all right so the beginning of this like we mentioned last week is just that two sentence or, or one sentence actually little blurb about uh, carry me the 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 poison that was administered to Fitz. Uh, leaf to sleep, two to dull pain, three for a merciful grave. And I think later he uses this in like part of his tea with Elf Bark and stuff, like after this trilogy to yeah. dull the pain and stuff. I can say it does sound like a familiar drug, but right, he was really sick and shaking in the middle of the night, and he finally dozed. Um, just at the end, like past midnight, yeah. and was awoken at dawn by Prince Rurisk busting into his tent. <laughs> yeah, he looks a little, uh, a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, uh, he has a decanter that he's sloshing around, and he's like thrusting it towards Fitz, like, "Wow, you're alive! Please drink this right away. You were poisoned." And Fitz is like, "I'd rather not drink anything like that right now." <laughs> <laughs> um. And he explains that, yeah, I, I knew I was poisoned the minute that I left you last night. Yeah. And um, just a quick note, we get to see a little bit of the religion. Right. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. I never really paid much mind to before. But now that we're like deep reading. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Rurisk says it is fully a miracle of Transuli that you still live. And... I just think that's really cool. They have their I own. Yeah, I don't remember that being mentioned again. Yeah. It could be. I just don't remember it. Or it could just be a throwaway thing. Maybe yeah. they're not super like religious. The, like the forest men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another little detail that's interesting, but not fleshed out. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's like, I mean, this is baseless speculation because we don't know anything about it, but uh, I wonder if it's just another name for Ida because of their reverence for living things mm. and she is of the land i don't know yeah i don't know either but yeah uh he is incredulous that fitz didn't say that he was poisoned to him the night before he's like and you didn't say anything to me and uh ketchikin is there she has been crying mm -hmm. um and weeping and he's like it's the crisis has been averted. You didn't kill one of the royal guests <laughs> right before your wedding. Uh-huh. So, you know, small thanks to you, but it's fine. Um, and she is ordered off to get food, basically. Tea, food, enough for both of them. And um, Rurisk is like, okay, we need to talk Fitz chivalry. We need to, like, if you trust me enough, like, you're all set at the end of the bed... Let's just sit down and have a conversation. Yeah, and he notes that he doesn't want Fitz to 
turn over the table he's holding in between them because it's a shaking really bad. And that's yeah. probably a little bit from fear, but a lot bit from just being poisoned and having to purge his system. <laughs> so uh, he begins this conversation by saying, my sister is impetuous. Poor Verity will find her more child than woman, I fear, and much of that is my fault. I have spoiled her so. But although that explains her fondness for me, it does not excuse her poisoning of a guest, especially not on the eve of her wedding to his uncle. Fitz replies, I think I would have felt much the same about it at any time. <laughs> Which is a pretty funny line. Yes, it's great. And nice to, like, diffuse tension a little bit that Fitz is like, Cracking jokes after just... I don't think he's cracking a joke. I think he's like, <laughs> I would have felt bad about being poisoned anytime, actually. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but Rurus comments that this is much like his father would have said. And it's like the right thing at the right time in the right moment. It does diffuse the situation, like you said. Mm -hmm. I don't think Fitz was meaning to do that, really, but... Um, <laughs> but it does help and he's like oh yeah i'm pretty sure that's what your father would say mm -hmm. um and he explains the situation that she came to him and said that um you were coming like telling fitz you were coming to make an end of me if you came along mm -hmm. and i told her that i would take care of it right um obviously she kind of jumped the gun on that one uh it says yesterday she saw an opportunity and took it with no regard as to how the death of a guest might affect a carefully negotiated wedding she thought only to do away with you before vows bound her to the six duchies and made such an act unthinkable which is kind of what we were discussing last week mm -hmm. we were like asking you know why would she do it so fast is she like that naive like was she like why now? Why right away? Uh -huh. I think you were particularly asking. And that it, it, it's brought up here that her vows to the six duchies when she's married, mm -hmm. she literally would not be able to because of their customs or tradition. Right. So she did before she was bound. <laughs> it's a little loophole. <laughs> Try to get it I out of the way. Fair enough. <laughs> See an opportunity. God take it. Yep. This is where Fitz finds out that it was the herbs that she gave him. Um, and I found it funny that Fitz's deflection in last chapter was seen right through. It's like, mm -hmm. you spoke really fair to her and she doubted you. And then she told you about the regal situation, but then you pretended to not understand. So she doubted you again. I just find it funny, like his lying, his expert <laughs> lying or whatever, just. Well, the first time she wasn't doubting him being fit, like talking fair. She was doubting that he was as bad as Regal is saying. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry if I misspoke on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant, at least. Yes, I knew what you meant. I just um, wanted to clarify. But yeah, uh, I just find it funny that she saw right through his uh, his lies there, even if he mm -hmm. was like taken aback by uh -huh. that full story. Well, I think it's funny that he like really doesn't suspect Ketrican at all. Even though he knows going into this that she knows why he's there. Yeah. And she is obviously not happy about it because she's brought it up multiple times <laughs> and she's showing him a bunch of herbs and he does not think about it at all. He just 
eats whatever she hands him, not knowing at all what it is, which is very funny to me. And Fitz um, replies, too late to apologize. I have already forgiven you. That's like the third time he's used this line. He really liked it. It resonated yeah. with him. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, and Rusk is like, yep, that was your father saying. So we know that Patience told him that line. And he responded to it, and she got it from chivalry, and mm-hmm. now Rurisk is saying, like, yeah, this is your father saying, so yeah. it's now knows where that came from. I do want to draw attention to the next sentence. It says, he glanced at the door a moment before Ketrikin came through it. Yes, I'm glad that you're bringing this yeah. up. I know what you're going to say, but continue. Um, which reminds me of the wit. Mm-hmm. And we know that Ketrikin, while not fully of the old blood she does have uh the capacity to understand some speech that night eyes or like the gist of it Mm -hmm. of what night eyes is projecting to her she can't understand words she can't you know um like project her feelings to him necessarily or anything like that she can't she's not aware of that feeling but she can get the gist of like Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's here just for comfort. Oh, you want to go hunting now? Let's go. And that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and Rorisk, it seems, has that life sense about him, too. Right. Well, there's another scene later on, which yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about when we get there. But uh, with Nosy. Surprise, he's going to be in this chapter. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> and um, I just really, I was like, hmm, I wonder if he has the wit. And I was also thinking about how Ketrikin... I know. Yeah, I still don't think that Rurisk is fully aware of that either, or um, right. it's like incredibly strong or anything like that. But well, it's, I think it's just that baseline ability. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I feel like his is a little bit stronger than his sister's at the very least, and that maybe yeah, he potentially. I mean, I don't think he's as strong as Fitz because Fitz, I think, is pretty strong in the. Um, Although I don't know how you can like measure strength really besides trying to repel people. Right. I don't know. I just I've always just assumed he's pretty good at it. (laughs) Um, But I feel like it's hard to tell because this is a different culture and it probably has a different name and a different like view on it. Right. I think Ketrickin says when we learn that she has some sort of ability, she admits to Fitz this later, I think next book. We know that it's not necessarily frowned upon in this kingdom and that if you are more, it's more seen, seen as being more connected to nature. Yeah. It's like when they meditate kind mm-hmm. of and like. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah, I my first thought goes to it's still not even with the scene that we'll talk about later. I I don't think it's fully aware that he could bond animals or anything like Mm -hmm. that. I don't know. But um, yeah, so there's that little scene there and then they have a discussion. He he assures Fitz that it's not poisoned and he has a little thing where he like tries all the food and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So Fitz is, you know. His fears are are smoothed over a little bit, at least. And they talk. And 
they go into a discussion about how if he hypothetically was an assassin, now is not a good time to assassinate anybody because between now and six months from now, if Rurisk died, Ketrakan and John Kui would both be like, he was murdered by six duchies. Yep. And um, that is, you know, obviously not a good thing for right. a marriage. The whole point of being an assassin is that nobody knows right. that you're killing somebody. Yeah. It kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> and um, he ends with scarcely a good foundation for an alliance of peoples. Do you agree? It's managed a nod. Uh, and so he kind of draws this line of logic saying that, so if you were an assassin, there's no profit carrying out my murder. Indeed, there would be a very great deal of loss. Uh, My father does not look on this alliance with the favor that I do. Oh, he knows it is wise for now, but I see it as more than wise. I see it as necessary. And then he directs Fitz to bring this following conversation to Shrewd. That uh, Rurisk is looking towards the future for his people. Their population is growing, um, but their land can't really sustain that growth. Right. And he wants to really bring profit to his people and his land in not just monetary value, but the ability to, uh, to ability to live, you know, right. trade food. Yeah. And they have more routes open to them for trading. Yep, and grazing rights for their animals in the winter when theirs are covered in snow and a bunch of things like that. And he says he is willing to give up the timbers for your warships. Because mm-hmm. his father isn't really keen on that idea at all, but right. Rurisk is like, yeah. Like, I, we need the future to progress for both of our people. Yeah. And once you secure your coast, I know it'll be good for trade for us as well as you. So, um, and at the end of the speech, Fitch is like, that's in his mind, he's thinking that's a huge concession because that's kind of what they were going into it thinking, but that's never discussed at a wedding. Mm -hmm. So having it laid out right at the beginning of an alliance is like, if you give us these things, I will give you everything that you want out of our land as well. Right. And it's huge because, like you said, this is he's getting everything he wants. Yeah, there's there's no like bargaining really. It's just like don't kill me, and then yeah. you get all this. Yeah, like I'm reasonable. I and it, it gives them a sense that there is future for further discussions and further alliance and further unity between the two peoples mm-hmm. because his father's way of thinking is more traditional, right. and Rurisk is looking for the future. Mm-hmm. This whole scene reminds me of what we've heard of chivalry the whole time. And I'm, I'm just thinking that chivalry and Rurisk must have been really close friends. Right. Because they were so similar in what we see from Rurisk and what we hear about chivalry is that they would fix everything with words first. Right. Because he, he kind of says to um, Ketrakin, let me show you another way of to deal with a would-be assassin. Right. Right. And he is very careful about the words he's choosing. Right. He obviously knows that Fitz is an assassin, but is using plausible deniability by saying if, and not making Fitz admit to anything, (laughs) um, which is good just from a perspective of that doesn't make Fitz feel like he's on the defense. He doesn't have to feel like he's protecting anything or in danger now. Um, all while the truth is being talked about openly 
and I think it's really clever and he's just so smart. It's crazy. Yeah. And and continuing with that, Ketcher Ken at the end of this conversation asks, aren't you going to ask him if he intended to poison you? And Rurisk responds very cleverly here and correctly. If he answered yes, you would never trust him. If he answered no, you would probably not believe him and think him a liar as well as an assassin. Besides, is not one admitted poisoner in this room enough? <laughs> of course, she's chastened and embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> but that's definitely true. If, if he asked that question directly, not only would it hurt his relationship with Fitz, it would hurt Ketrickin's relationship with Fitz, and that is very pivotal in the next book. Right. Right. And I like that he's thinking about all this. And we also learn um, a little bit more about some of the Discord Regal has been sewing. Right. In his talk with Fitz about what he seeks to gain from this alliance, he says, And like Regal, my father sees your coast as a liability, your ocean as a great barrier. So Regal has been openly talking with a neighboring country about how the coastal duchies are just a giant liability and... Probably about the war as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, yes, he, he is probably talking about it. Like, I, I agree with that. He's probably <laughs> discussing that. But he could have learned that from chivalry as well. That, like, my little brother doesn't see our coast as a viable resource. Well, like, it's the fact that it's a liability and they're in the middle of a war with the red ships. True. I think this is specific to what's going on right okay. now. Yeah, especially I mean, because of the, like, unrest within the duchies right now between Pharaoh and Tillith and yeah. the rest of the duchies about paying tax more taxes to protect the coastal duchies. Yeah, like I said, I agree yeah. with you. I just... It could be a, a yeah an inkling from that friendship too, but I don't um, think because he follows it up with, but I see it as your father did a wide road that leads in all directions and your coast as our access to it. Right. So it could have been part of the same situation or conversation, but I do agree with you that Regal has probably just been there for a few months and just getting drunk and ranting like his mother did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I just don't think that um, he would have been old enough to be openly talking in any capacity around chivalry about how crappy the coastal Dutch. I mean, I'm sure yeah, he said bad things about the coastal Dutchies because it's pretty clear how he and his mother felt about them and he continues to feel about them. But I don't know. I guess that's just what I was thinking. So they leave him alone to get ready for the day. And this is one of the few days of festivities that they're supposed to be mm-hmm. and um Fitz gets ready and there's a bunch of poets and minstrels and uh people gathering from all over the mountain kingdom to jean and um the servants are still serving him right they come to his room to help him and he makes note to say to remind himself that these servants might be better born than he is. And so he starts trying to treat them all with courtesy. And (laughs) I think that's number one, a little bit bad that he had to wait until he thought 
they were well, maybe royalty to treat them better. I think he still treats them better. It says treat them all with great courtesy. Right. But I mean, like, I don't think Fitz is hitting his servants or anything, but I also don't think he's like probably the most polite up until this point. Maybe this he helps. probably hasn't had really servants either. That's fair. I'm sure he doesn't normally get servants, but I don't know. I don't it's just know like, if he would ever get servants. He is the servant for Beric and for Chade. Hmm. I don't know. Just the the way that he talks made me feel like maybe he had had hmm. servants in his past, but I guess maybe not. And so it like went to his head, and then he had to remind himself. I mean, he probably has had interactions with servants in Buckkeep. I mean, he we know he's sent to talk to them by shade, right? But yeah, it is a little bit weird for the wording. <laughs> yeah, but he says that he feels like this might be um, a, the secret to a harmonious household. If everyone is treated equally as graciously, because Ooh, imagine that. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's like it's if you treat everybody idea. nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so everyone's kind of gathering around. Uh, the display of gifts comes out, and all of their like cows and horses and stuff that they brought. Not all of them are going to Ketrikin or the royal family. Mm-hmm. They're distributed to the people as well. Right. And then uh, Fitz sees Beric for like the first time since they arrived, and. He's looking tired, but all of his horses are looking extremely well-groomed, well-fed. There's thousands of bells in Ketrikin's horse's tail, and she's thawing his <laughs> his reserve with her deference, and uh, he responds in reluctant yet uh, pretty good Sheridan. <laughs> and then they have a meal. And this is a great surprise to Fitz because everybody is welcome. It's a yeah. big potluck, basically. Yeah. Common people bring food in. Royal people put on their food as well. And they kind of all gather, eat, pull from the, all the different tables. There's no guards. Mm-hmm. It's one big block party. And it sounds awesome. It does. It's definitely very interesting and a very different from life at Buckkeep where... Yes, everyone gets to celebrate in celebrations. <laughs> they get right. to partake in the celebrations. Um, but there are kind of levels to it. and Literal, too. Literal levels. And also guards. And you have to be of a certain rank to get to certain places to celebrate. And at this, it's just everybody is one. And I think that's mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah, it's a really big class divided buck because buckkeep and the town are literally separated by that hill and i'm sure no one is allowed inside (laughs) and you know honestly i feel like this is what sets up ketrikin to be such a great ruler Mm -hmm. um she treats everybody nicely (laughs) yes she treats everyone but she also is able to talk to everyone the same way and make people feel more important because she's a queen but she's still talking to them with respect right yeah and i think that just goes a really long way i think the way she was raised helps her out especially in getting people to her husband's cause later on yeah yeah that's definitely true i'm sure speaking of princess ketrikin she steps up at noon and gives a little speech about how her love for the mountain kingdom has not waned that's not why she's leaving their nation mm-hmm. she is going to um, the six duchies in hope of bettering both of the countries and both of the peoples. Mm-hmm. She also says that she's officially um, part of the duchies now. She's no longer right. Yeah, a sacrifice for her people anymore. 
which I thought was interesting because the wedding hasn't even happened yet. But at noon on the dot before <laughs> a wedding, she's now yeah, part like, of the like, duchies. So the day before the wedding or two days before the wedding? I think it's two days before the wedding. Two days. Yeah. Yeah. And then the festivities continue after that. Mm-hmm. And then Rurisk comes to find Fitz, making sure he's doing all right. And he sees Fitz's need for fresh air because Fitz wants to just retire, go to sleep. But mm-hmm. he knows that Shade would be <laughs> be all up in his business if he's if he uh, asked for a report. And Fitz is like, "Well, then I went to sleep after Ketrickin's speech at noon." <laughs> <laughs> right. And also, it's a little bit to do with how tight his clothing is around True. his stomach. But we get a nice little Fitz typical. Uh, fashion complaint (laughs) about how there's highly inconvenient sleeves and tassels that fell into anything he tried to do or eat (laughs) which seems to be like a recurring theme because later Mm -hmm. on i think in tawny man it becomes lace yeah like the lace droops everywhere Uh into (laughs) food (laughs) the poofy sleeves you know they get everywhere he just wants to be in a a vest all the time (laughs) presumably his clothing wouldn't be super snug, though. I mean, it'd have to be a little loose, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they describe Galen's clothing as very form-fitting. Mm-hmm. But Which is weird. But he skeletal, and it's mm-hmm. so odd and, and mm-hmm. very weird. I can kind of tell this was, like, written in the 90s. Where... <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of a little jab, but I, I mean, it might be inspiration from that, too. Like, the fashion at the time was... right baggier and and loosier but that also is a kind of a staple in medieval settings right is looser clothing Mm -hmm. i don't know i just wish i had a sketch of what this clothing looked like because honestly even with the descriptions i'm like blanking on how any of this would actually look in practice so (laughs) i'm really bad at picturing clothing i don't know what it is so every time we get these like descriptions i can like imagine sleeves that are loose and also tassels but not like together if that makes sense (laughs) so i love how much he complains about it but also i'm sad because i like cannot mentally picture these clothing items i'm wondering if like because it's probably like a doublet right Mm -hmm. that's a little bit longer having tights on or breeches or of some sort and then like poofy sleeves yeah. With like long, long sleeves that drag in there. But the tassels, I could assume, like if the sleeves are puffy enough, I've seen ropes tied around, like right by the elbows. Oh, okay. Maybe the tassels are from that. I could be just picturing that from some fan art of something right. else. I don't know. I'm thinking, uh, now that you've said that, I'm thinking, oh, those cowboy jackets with the tassels along the arm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if anybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Everybody is in leather jackets with tassels hanging down. <laughs> All and a down the hat. arm line, which I don't think is what she is meaning to show. <laughs> oh, really? You don't? <laughs> Fits in Western wear. Um, <laughs> but that's like the only thing that comes to I mind when I think of. I a good pair of Levi's. <laughs> that's all I can think of with tassels on clothing. I don't know. <laughs> a nice flapper dress, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so Rorisk comes and's like, oh, Fitz definitely needs to go outside, which I think is a little bit more um, evidence that he has a, an awareness of what other people are feeling, mm-hmm. and it kind of 
probably helps his diplomacy as well. Right. So um, he goes outside, leads Fitz to the stables, and he's like, hey, let's see what an infusion of six duchies' blood into my kennels did. Like, it, right. it was really great. Okay, so hear me out. Do you think he is bringing Fitz to dogs because he knows on some subconscious level that he has an affinity towards dogs? Or is this just a lucky guess? I think he knows of Fitz chivalry and what he's been doing. If if somebody, if I was a prince and my sister brought to me, this boy might kill you. <laughs> and he has, like, his name is Fitz or whatever. I would look into that i would try to research and find out who he was anything about his family what he did that sort of thing fair enough and also once he figures out it's fit chivalry chivalry spoke to him about fits so i can assume that like yeah i'm gonna give him to biric my hounds and hawks guy yeah that's fair enough stable master so i could kind of assume that he might have an inkling of like fits is comfortable around animals mm. fair enough regal okay. also probably made some snide remark about like oh yeah he lives in squalor in the stables and always <laughs> reached higher than himself or something like that always had dogs around him like a mangy mutt okay yeah. sure sure okay <laughs> oh you you agree with that one readily but the other ones are like hmm, maybe <laughs> no i'm sure as a incoming royalty he <laughs> definitely has some sort of network telling him information even if it's not the same as a, a chade. Um, so he shows off the pups, and they are wonderful. They are the pride and joy of Rorisk. They can uh, track a scent through a downpour. They're from Buckkeep lineage. And after they go through the stable, he's sleep, uh, he looks down to a, a, an older dog who is sleeping lazily on a pile of straw and says... Sleep on, old man. You fathered enough pups that you never need to hunt again, except you love it so. Rursk told him genially. At his master's voice, the old hound heaved himself to his feet and came to lean affectionately on Rursk. He looked up at me, and it was nosy. And the good pup is back. He's a good pup. <laughs> I stared at him, and his copper ore eyes returned the look. I quested softly toward him, and for a moment received only puzzlement. That line right there is why I don't think Rurisk is strongly witted. Because he would be more willing to receive other questings if he was used to it, I think. Well, not necessarily. If you're only used to one person, like... Sure, but... He he remembered... The the next one is, and then a a flood of warmth of affection shared and remembered. Um, So he remembers himself as a puppy and having that connection with Fitz and the questing and the sharing of minds that they had. Mm-hmm. And he is puzzled at the questing now that he's older. I feel like Rurisk doesn't really I, do that. I didn't see it as a puzzling. He's puzzled by the questing. I thought of it more as he was puzzled by who wants his attention. Like, who are you? Why are you doing something so intimate with me more so than what is this that you're doing? Yeah, um, that could be, too. So that's how I read it, I guess. And I don't know. I guess I didn't think about maybe he was like, what is this that's going on? So interesting. 
Um, but yeah, that says flood of warmth and affection shared and remembered. But there was no doubt that he was Rurisk's hound now. The intensity of the bond that had been between us was gone. But he offered me back great fondness and warm memories of when we were puppies together. I went down on one knee and stroked the red coat, gone all bristly with the years, and looked into the eyes that were beginning to show that clouding of age. For an instant, with the physical touch, the bond was as it had been. I knew he was enjoying dozing in the sun, but could be persuaded to go hunt with very little trouble, especially if Rurus came along. I patted his back and drew away from him. I looked up to find Rurus regarding me strangely. I knew him when he was just a puppy, I told him. So this is why I was like, hmm, I feel like he has the wit. I think, in my mind, the weird look he's giving Fitz is because he can feel something going on between Nosy and Fitz. I don't necessarily know how the wit works. I don't know if you are wit talking to another person's bonded animal if the person they're bonded to can feel that or even hear what you're talking about in any capacity. I mean, I know that you can shut off your mind to your partner, so there's no guarantee that any of that would be going on, but I feel like there would be some sort of like knowledge of information being shared, right? We know that like you can generally feel the passing of information even if you can't necessarily hear it, so to speak. So I think Rurisk is at the very least picking up on the silent conversation going on between the two, and at most feeling that his wit partner is talking with somebody else. Hmm. I don't know. I That could be definitely true, but I, in my mind, I still don't think that Rurisk is aware of any of his abilities and isn't really two-way linked with nosy he might be a little Mm. bit but not enough to be fully aware kind of like to a larger extent that leon is bonded with verity Mm -hmm. i think nosy is bonded with um rurisk because rurisk has exhibited a little bit more wit capabilities right but i still don't think he's like fully aware he could be definitely since he does have i think a bit of that ability he could be picking up on like something passing in between Mm-hmm. It's and nosy, but um, and that's why he looked at him strangely. But I don't think he's fully aware. I don't think it's the max of what you, uh, the most yeah. level that you mentioned. Hmm. I don't know. Also, though, it's hard because this could also be part of a different culture in treating the wit a different way. Right. Um, I don't think there are any old blood here teaching old ways. It could be, I mean, we know that um, the Mountain Kingdom people as a whole are pretty one with nature in a way. And I wonder if there's no like sense of ownership like a wit bond would have. Not that it's necessarily ownership, it's more of a partnership. But I wonder if in that culture it's too close to ownership because there's so much of sacrificing for others. You know, I don't know. If any of that makes sense or if it's just rambling, but... <laughs> it does a bit, yeah. Let us know what you guys think. Do you think Rurisk is fully aware and fully bonded to Nosy, or is he just kind of on the same level as Ketrikin, but maybe a little bit stronger? Does he not even have the wit? Let us know what you think. Yeah. Um. And Fitz's 
pretty astonished by this for a couple reasons. One, that Nosy remembers him, but two, that Nosy is alive. Mm-hmm. All these years, he thought Birik killed him, and it. And Rurisk says, Birik sent him to me in care of a wandering scribe these many years ago, who I always thought was Fedrin. Oh, interesting. I guess I didn't even piece that together. I just was like, oh, just some rando. <laughs> because he leaves every summer. That's true. To wander around and, and do stuff. So, um, says, he has brought me great pleasure in company and in hunting. You have done well by him, I said. We left and strolled back to the palace, but as soon as Rurisk left my side, I went straight to Birik. And Birik here is, um, he has control of the horses still, mm-hmm. but uh, all of them are growing a little restive, and because there's so many strangers around, they kind of need to get, you know, out into the open. Mm-hmm. But he would be taking horses while leaving some untended. So kind of a perfect time for Fitz to come up and like, hey, I'll help you. Yeah, except he warily looks up at Fitz as he approaches, which is, ugh, I hate it. (laughs) I just want them to be okay again. With your leave, I will help you move them, I offered. Eric's face remained impassive and polite, but before he could open his mouth to speak, a voice behind me said, I am here to do that, master. You might soil your sleeves or overly weary yourself working with beasts. I turned slowly, baffled by the venom in Cobb's voice. Do you think all this hate is coming from Regal? Yes. I Um, mean, Cobb already kind of has it out for Fitz, but... I don't know if you remember. I've read a couple uh, chapters ahead, and since this is a spoiler thing, I'm not going to worry about, like, dropping knowledge on you. (laughs) Right. But um, Cobb is the one who stabbed Birik. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so Regal's definitely employed him and really taken him over. Uh, Mm. When Rurisk is actually poisoned in the room with Fitz, Mm -hmm. um, and Fitz tries to leave, Cobb comes in and like, hey, don't drink the wine, they poisoned Rurisk or whatever, and Fitz stabs him and kills him. And as he does, he gets that close to Cobb. He smells what Nosy smelt that uh, night. Okay, okay. Or, uh, okay. Smithy. Yeah, he smells Smithy. what Smithy smelt, smelt that night. The same scent. Oh. So he knows it was Cobb. Oh my gosh. I know. Freaking Cobb. I know. Little corn Cobb over here getting too big for his bridges. <laughs> Little corn Cobb. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fitz kind of ignores Cobb and looks back at Birik and is like, then I will walk alongside you, if I may, for I have something important we must speak of. He was being deliberately formal and polite. Um, mm-hmm. So Birik knew that it was important and that, too, that he w- Fitz wasn't just trying to be, like, familiar and be like, hey, yeah. hey, Birik, how's it going, man? Yo, what's up, Dad? You need any help? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, nah, something really important happened. I really need to talk to you. Yep. Which also shows that Birik does not hate him. I don't think that oh, he no, hated he him anyway, yeah. but I mean, his son is like, hey, there's something really important. And even though he knows he should just like keep the distance between him and Fitz, he immediately tells Cobb to stay behind and right. lets Fitz join him. He could have easily have said, I don't know what you would need with a lowly servant like me and walked on and had Cobb follow him or something. But I don't know. 
He feels like Fitz needs help, so he's there for him. For a moment longer, Beric gazed at me, and then he says, yeah, bring the prince's mare. Princess's mare, not prince's. Uh, so they walk the horses out. They're pretty much walking in silence. They help the horses out, and then Fitz starts admiring the um, the mare that's gifted to Princess Ketrakin, and Beric's like, all right, cut the crap. You wanted to talk to me. And it says it. I just saw Nosy. He's fine. Older now, but he's had a happy life. All these years, Beric, I always believed you killed him that night. Dashed out his brains, cut his throat, strangled him. I imagined it in a dozen different ways, a thousand times. All those years. He looked at me incredulously. You believed I would kill a dog for something you did? I only knew he was gone. I could imagine nothing else. I thought it was my punishment. For a long time he was still. When he looked back up at me, I could see his torment. How you must have hated me. And feared you. All those years? And you never learned better of me? Never thought to yourself he would not do such a thing? I shook my head slowly. Oh, Fitz, he said sadly. I thought you were stubborn and sullen. You thought you had been grievously wronged. No wonder we have been at so much odds. So, I want to point out that Burek says for something you did. This is, I don't know, that wording just makes me feel like it's still plain that the wit is this awful thing that Fitz is dabbling in. Yeah. It's his fault. Yeah. Like, this whole situation is kind of his fault. And Fitz is acknowledging that it's his punishment to bear. But I don't know. I just thought the wording of, you thought that I would do that to a dog over something you did. Eric believes that you can, you can be better than that quote-unquote affliction. <laughs> right. Um, and resist it. You don't have to succumb to it. You can have a strong will. Mm -hmm. You can steel yourself against it. Don't fall into the seduction of it. Right. And also, it goes to show that Burek has a very strong sense of punishing the person in the wrong and not doing... Mm -hmm. He's not petty. He doesn't no. do little passive-aggressive things. He punishes the person that has done the thing wrong. And I think it's pretty admirable. I think it's misplaced here, but I right. think it... And then I think it shows a little bit of disconnect because Fitz thinks that anything that hurts somebody is could be punishment for something, whether or not that is only affecting the person or hurting someone else to affect the person. And Fitz then says, it can be undone. I've missed you, you know. Missed you sorely despite all our differences. Oh, Fitz. I know. I watched him thinking, and for a moment or two, I thought he would smile and clap me on the shoulder and tell me to go fetch the other horses. But his face grew still and then stern. But for all that, it did not stop you. You believed I had it in me to kill any animal you used the wit on, but it did not stop you from doing it. I don't see it the way that you do, I began, but he shook his head. 
we're better parted, boy, better for both of us. There can be no misunderstandings if there are no understandings at all. I can never approve or ignore what you do. Never. Come to me when you can say you will do it no more. I will take your word on it, for you've never broken your word to me. But until then, we are parted. And from Birik's perspective here, that is completely valid. I mean, it kind of is. Like, if if Fitz thinks that Birik is going to kill a dog, or is willing to kill a dog because the wit was used on it. Not just a dog, any animal. Any animal, yeah. And then... He, he bonds somebody else. Yeah. He continues to use the wit. It's willfully endangering, in his mind, another animal's life. Yeah. Which is pretty bad, actually, when you think about it. Yeah. And a very valid point of, hey, you literally thought I would kill something and then thought that's a still a price you're willing to pay at the expense of another wit partner. Right. And after going through the death of one, or what you thought was the death of one wit partner, why on earth would you put another at risk? The old blood isn't as bad as Birik thinks it is. Mm-hmm. But from Fitz's and Birik's perspectives here, like, that is true. Fitz willfully endangered another animal's life. Right. That's pretty bad, Fitz. Like, I understand that you're extremely lonely. And also, he's really young, and yeah. I understand that there's a little bit of problem with your brain developing and not understanding mm-hmm. the cost, I guess, fully. The, like, children are more likely to do things that are more risky because the outcome is more is better for them in the moment. So yeah, the, that's just part of... They don't grasp consequences. And, right. That's part of developing. And as awful as it is... I'm not that mad at Fitzy because he is a child and he was a child. He's a teenager, but I mean, he's still young and has some growing to do for sure. Yeah. So Birk leaves him standing there and Fitz stood a long time feeling sick and weary and not just from Ketrickin's poison. This is so hard for him. I mean, yeah. he never opens up to anybody and he's sitting here opening the door to Burek saying, we don't have to be mad at each other anymore. I miss you a lot, and I would love for things to go back to normal, please. And Burek looks him in the eye and says, I can't accept who you are. No. And I, oh, I just feel so bad for him. He, he leaves it open. He says, like, if you tell me you won't do it, I will trust you and we can come back together because you've never broken your word to me. But he's just so hardline. But also props to Fitz for not just saying, okay, then I'll never do it again. Right. He also stands his ground and refuses to lie. Right. And that's fair. Like he shouldn't be asked to give up part of himself, but he, it's so hard because Bjork doesn't know enough about this to really understand how he thinks he does though he does think he does and he is an adult and Fitz isn't an adult so like as Mm -hmm. a child you should listen to your elders but at the same time if the information that he's giving you is 
it's bad, it turns you into an animal, and you've never had any negative experiences like that, and you can kind of understand how it works a little bit better than that. It's more nuanced. I mean, I can see why you would fight it, and I just, like, it's part of you. That's just who you are. I don't know. Right. I just feel bad for him. And I am proud of him for sticking to his guns, I guess. (laughs) He goes back to the festivities and kind of endures the rest of the day. And finally night comes. He's weary. Um, Is there anything about the day that you want to mention? Because it's just another paragraph here. Yeah. um, So during the party, first of all, Cobb is giving mocking, triumphant smiles. Yeah. um, Which is gross, and I hate him. He's always (laughs) kind of fought over Beric's affection. Right. um, With Fitz. But, I don't know. I just... He's the worst. I... I just don't know why he's so smug about this. Like, it doesn't affect him at all. It never should have. It, he likes seeing Fitz unhappy. sad and unhappy. That's true. But I don't know. So that, like, made me really mad. But also, I thought it was really interesting that there are competitions going on. Um, and there's a belief that whoever wins the contest on such an auspicious occasion would enjoy luck for a full turn of a year. And I just thought that was, like, a fun little cultural thing put in there but also (laughs) they have puppet shows but they're the shadow puppet shows yeah and that's cool because those are really cool if you've ever seen shadow puppet shows they're pretty cool um night comes and (laughs) it says i was just pulling off my annoying shirt and reflecting (laughs) on what a strange day it had been when there was a tap at my door and before he could speak severin slides slid open the screen and slipped in and regal summons him mm-hmm. um and regal is living on one of the second floor rooms which is more like a balcony um you climb up to it it's pretty open there's like no supports really underneath or no walls i should say underneath that room mm-hmm. but it has like a little balcony that you can look over before you descend the stairs and he has it all decked out in mostly six duchies decorations um some of the work was obviously chirita bright birds brushed onto silk panels and figurines carved of amber but much of the tapestries and statues and hangings looked to me like things regal had acquired for his own pleasure and comfort oh a good catch i just assumed they were still chirita making but they were like a little less pretty and more like i think he like would bought them in trades for it or something mm. and bring them because just brings along his own decorations yeah. as he goes honestly i expect him to be that extra i also imagine that he like makes a whole scene every morning when he's in a new outfit on top of the balcony before he walks down <laughs> you know gotta really make use of that balcony true and he's sitting there and uh regal's taking a bath in his bath yeah which okay why power are you move. i guess <laughs> what is a bigger power move really than calling somebody to meet with you and being fully nude whenever they get there like i don't know it's remember they don't have a thing about i know well nudity. i'm not saying that part i'm just saying i think it's super rude to call somebody in while you're bathing saying done that, that. It, yeah, but there's like a line in there that uh, Fitz has had his meetings all 
like random times with Shrewd while they're eating, while he's getting dressed, while he's bathing. Yes, but that implies that Shrewd is talking to him while bathing. This is Regal taking his sweet, sweet time, taking a bath, That's and then true. coming out and not talking to him the whole time. And he, like, made him come immediately. He didn't even have time to, like, change out of his clothes. He had to (laughs) leave right that minute. So, I don't know. Just, I guess technically it is a power move, but I'm not happy about it. (laughs) Probably waited, like, an hour or something after that. Oh, yeah. And Regal demands well. And Fitz is like, you summoned me. (laughs) And Regal has uh, the, the royal arrogance to say i did summon you i should like to know why it was necessary i thought you had received some sort of training in this sort of thing how long were you going to wait before you reported to me it's like i had never remotely considered reporting to regal to shrewd or chade definitely and to verity but to regal which i even though i hate regal i think it's a fault on and a blind side to fitz he is a prince He does serve the crown. It's not necessarily his mission to include Regal in this. He was told by the king, but like to never think of reporting to Regal ever, I is kind of a misstep on his. To be fair, he didn't really think to report to Verity either. Verity had to tell him to report whenever they were wherever Lady Grace was. I mean, Fitz was more reticent to do it and he like understood a little bit more quickly, but Still, and also there's a little bit more professionalism he, in that. I think he was also encounter. prepped by Chade, though, because he went as like a spy and then he was staying like had because he was told by Chade, you will have the the cover of taking care of Leon's wolfhound and that'll get you closer to Verity. And so he was already sleeping in Verity's room. So Verity was right there and said, OK, report. Right. This but one I, is like. Right. Separate rooms and. I don't, but I'm just distance. saying that like. I don't think that he necessarily thought to report immediately to right, Verity yeah. either. I think that's not like his first nature. But uh, I guess you're right. I, I know. I hate. He, I hate I, admitting it too. <laughs> but also, it, I just don't want it to be right because Regal is such a butt about it. He's like, um, "Why is it necessary that I? You should be reporting to me, obviously." And it's like. You don't deserve to be reported to. And also, you're obviously a trash person. So maybe if you gave out real information to us before we came and if you didn't make up a weakness of somebody just because you wanted more power, we I would feel more comfortable reporting to you, Regal. I don't know. He's just so obviously corrupt. And that doesn't change the fact that he is technically still the one in control in this situation. So. Right. Don't like it. So Regal is pressing Fitz to report on how the assignment is going um, and isn't very circumspect about it. Right. Well, to be fair, Fitz doesn't know what he's supposed to be reporting on to right. him. Yeah. Um, he, he asks, would you hear my observations on the Chirda as a people or information on the herbs they grow? Or And Regal kind of cuts him off because in Fitz's mind, he has his assignment. He's assessing it. He kind of thinks it's called off now because there's no way that yeah, risk is as bad as Regal said. Right. And they can't do it without right. relations growing unstable. And when he was reporting to Verity before this, um, he gave his opinion on the matter at hand and right. the problems at hand and gave 
all the information he saw going on. Um, that's what he was trained to people. do. Right. Yeah. So it's not just about killing people, mm-hmm. which I don't think Regal understands. It's not just about the Definitely power. doesn't. No, it's not just about the power of killing somebody. It's also about the knowledge of the people you're around to make better, more informed decisions as you go forward. Mm-hmm. And Regal doesn't care about utilizing that because he thinks he's smart enough and doesn't need that. Doesn't care about people in general. So true. <laughs> doesn't see what value they bring. But Regal straight up asks, like, have you acted yet? Have you made a plan? When can we expect results? And of what kind? I scarcely want the prince dropping dead at my feet and me unprepared for it. I could scarcely credit what I was hearing. Never had Shrewd spoken so bluntly or so openly of my work. And that's literally in Shrewd's own chambers. Yeah. It says, even when our privacy was assured, he circled and danced and left me to draw my own conclusions. Like... But also the audacity. How dare I be unprepared for it? Buddy, you're the one planning the dang thing. Who cares? You are prepared. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. And also, I think he only wants to know what way he's going to do it so he can tell everybody before it happens, Fitz is going to do this and it's going to be this way, but keep quiet until we know if it's real. And then it'll happen to be like, see, I told you, kill him. Yeah. I just hate him so much. Are you being insolent or stupid? Regal demanded. Are you dumb, stupid, or dumb? (laughs) Neither, I rejoined as politely as I was able. I am being cautious, my prince. Um, And Fitz is trying to put it on a more polite, royal, this is strictly like business kind of thing. And Regal is drunk. Fitz realizes that he's drunk here. He realizes it a little bit later, but like Regal's carrying it well. Uh But he's been drinking all night, and he's just kind of not taking any caution about talking about this assassination out loud. He's like, you're being foolishly cautious. I trust my valet, and there's no one else here, so report, my bastard assassin. I don't like him at all. He said the last words as as if he thought them cleverly sarcastic. Um, Fitz kind of tries to compose himself, remind him he's a king's man at this time and place. This was as close to the king as he was going to get, and he chose his phrases carefully and doesn't accuse Regal of letting slip any secrets, but say just says the facts of what he knows. Mm-hmm. Ketrikin told me you had told her I was a poisoner and that her brother Rurisk was my target. Regal immediately says that's a lie. I told her nothing of the kind. And puts the blame on to Fitz, of course. Yep. I hope you have not spoiled all by revealing yourself to her. I could have lied much better than he did. Fitz lets that slide and gives him a full report of Fitz's own poisoning, of uh, the conversation Rurisk and Ketrikin had with him in the morning. So discussing all of the trade agreements and concessions that they made and about how not profitable Rurisk's death would be. Mm-hmm. So he tells him all of that. And Regal spent a number of minutes looking at his nails before he spoke to me. Have you decided on a method in time yet? I tried not to show my surprise. Under the circumstances, I thought it would be better to abandon the assignment. No nerve, Regal observed with disgust. I asked Father to send that old whore lady time. She'd have had him in his grave by now. And obviously, doesn't know Shade. Yep. (laughs) Well, why was he? I'm surprised that he is saying whether or not it's true that he preferred Lady Time to be the one sent. I wonder if this is like to 
learn more about her or if it's just so he could kill her. I think he is convinced that Lady Time is the one who killed his mother. Mm. Um, because she she dies of her own addiction pretty much, but it's right. not confirmed. And there is those rumors going around that she was poisoned and taken care of. And 100% Regal latched on to those rumors rather right. than Admit it was her own fault. Yeah. So I'm, I think there's even a mention later of it of like, yeah. My mother like died because of the poisoners. So I think he really didn't care which one he got rid of Fitz or lady time. Do you think this is why shrewd did not send Jade? Do you think he knows about Regal's hatred towards lady time because he thinks it's his mother's i'm sure regal whenever regal has a an opinion whether or not it's politically good for him to be talking aloud about it he seems to share it yeah so i'm sure his father knows what he thinks happened to his mom i don't think shrewd made a decision off of any one thing Mm -hmm. i think it's a combination of everything that we've discussed and this probably played a slight part in it it was probably that you know, Jade was needed by Verity and mm-hmm. by the king for advice. And, you know, he's just getting worked to the bone and like the war is there and he has the center of the spies there. And Fitz is kind of expendable and he doesn't want Regal to find out anything about Jade yet. And I'm sure Which, it all kind of plays into it. And I think this is really interesting because... I mean, Verity knows about Chade, and I know it was an accident that he found out. And right. I mean, if Shrewd had it his way, none of his sons would have known about Chade. But at this point, your other son knows. Why not just tell him the family secret? Do you think it's because deep down he knows Regal can't handle the secret? Probably. Or <laughs> don't go blabbing it to so. everyone? Or do you think it's more of, I'll tell him when he's king? <laughs> I hope it's the first one. It's probably the second one. It's it because right now Verity is going to be king. Mm-hmm. So I think if Verity didn't know the minute that it was assured that Shrewd would be dying, um, he would tell Verity or has instructions to Shade to reveal himself mm-hmm. if he has an untimely death and Verity would be crowned. Which honestly I think would be a worse way to find out about an assassin living in your walls. Like, hey. <laughs> like I'm your uncle. Hey, what's up? (laughs) I know you don't know me because I've been hiding in your walls, but um, yeah, I kill people for you. So just let me know if you need anything, you know, whatever. Unruly Duke. (laughs) I'll be there. Knock twice. Like. (laughs) Um, After Regal makes this comment about Lady Time, Fitz is like, sir, because he really isn't sure about you know, how to respond to anything that Regal is saying. And Regal is just mimics him. He just mocks him. Sir? Sir. And for the first time, I realized the man was drunk. Physically, he carried it well. He did not stink of it, but it brought all his pettiness to the surface. He sighed heavily as if too disgusted for words, then flung himself down on a couch draped with blankets and cushions. Nothing has changed, he informed me. You've been given your task. Do it. If you are clever, you can make it appear an accident. Having been so naively open with Ketrikin and Rurisk, neither will expect it. But I want it done before tomorrow evening. Before the wedding, I asked incredulously. 
Don't you think the death of the bride's brother might lead her to cancel it? It would be no more than temporary if she did. I have her well in hand, boy. She is easily dazzled. So, right now, in Regal's mind, from my mind, I mm-hmm. think that going through Regal's mind right now is that if Fitz does it, Rursk is dead, Ketrickin blames Fitz, that looks poorly upon Shrewd and Verity because it looks like a power grab for Verity. Mm-hmm. Regal has already uh, outed Fitz to Ketrickin, so mm-hmm. he looks better and has already made a bad impression of Verity on Ketrickin as well. Mm-hmm. So the whole plan is in place for like this to kind of happen with this one triggering event, and then Ketrickin is more in Regal's court. Fitz is out of the way. King Aeod does not like Prince Verity. Maybe he's been working on King Aeod to say, like, I'm a great match for your daughter kind of thing. Like, I don't know. Like, it's kind of all coming in place. So he's like, just do it. I don't care. It's it's well in place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the easily dazzled is a little, uh, I think, a miscalculation on his part. Definitely. She is naive, though. She is. And I think he did easily woo her in a way. Definitely. But I think... She's smart enough to understand when she's being tricked once she sees more of the pieces. Offer different sides. I think she can compare what she has heard, how people have acted. Right. She's raised to be a ruler to her people where she has to be the judge to make the impartial call. She also is supposed to be a sacrifice, but her people are very much about judgments being fair, even if they're harsh. Right. Right. Which is why she had no problem killing somebody who was going to kill her brother. Like, you were going to kill my family. It's only fair. But also, she felt bad about it because she realized maybe there's more to the story than what Regal was telling her. Mm -hmm. And I think that alone, Regal isn't expecting her to have any brains. Once he's told her something, she's only going to trust him. Which was true, probably, for the first month or two they were there. Yeah, I think... He just overdoes it with partying. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, he's very full of himself. Mm-hmm. Also, Rurisk skill. doesn't like him, so yeah. I'm sure Rurisk is cautioning his sister. Right. And I don't know. I I just don't think it's as easy as Regal thinks it is. Mm-hmm. But Regal has a elevated sense of himself. So, although he is so beautifully dramatic, and <laughs> I like if I didn't hate him so much, <laughs> if I didn't hate him so much. Oh, I would love him. He's just, uh, like. The the villain timing of, oh, you must so go good. to Regal right now. And then he's just, oh, taking his bath, <laughs> taking his time, comes out in a bathrobe. Asks for a report when when it's given to him is studying his nails for instead like of paying attention. It's <laughs> like, oh, you're done? <laughs> Kill him. Like, <laughs> I just, uh, I love, I love him, but I also hate him so much, but it's so good. He's a great villain. Um, he asks Fitz, how will you do it? And Fitz replies, I have no idea. I Um, need more information. I need time to gather information. Yeah. But he's also in his mind saying, I'm not going to do it. He has no intention. Yeah. He, I would return to Buckkeep and report back to Shrewd and Shade. If they said I had chosen wrongly, then they might do with me as they wished. But I remembered Regal's own voice from so long ago, quoting Shrewd. Don't do what you can't undo until you've considered what you can't do once you've done it. And then uh, 
Regal continues to badger him, like, when will you know? And Fitz goes into, like, the details, like you said. I need to study the habits, the man, explore his chambers, learn the habits of his servants, everything like that. And Regal interrupts him, like, the wedding's two days from now. I already know all the things that you, you say you must discover. I'll plan it for you. Come to me tomorrow night, and I'll give you your orders. Then he says, mind this well, bastard. I do not want you to act before you have informed me. I would find any surprise unpleasant. You would find them deadly. And then he dismisses him. Yep. You are dismissed, he told me regally. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I can't believe he can get away with this, I guess. I understand that he is a prince and Fitz is just a bastard, but... Everything he's doing is so blatantly not for the good of the whole of the duchies. I really want to know more about his relationship with Shrewd. Yeah, that would be nice. Like, that would put a key into this, like, puzzle Mm -hmm. that's there. Like, how is he getting away with this? How does Shrewd trust him so much still? Like, why? Like, what is all of this? I don't know. I just... I just it's also weird to me that he like just assumes Fitz is going to kill the uh, kill the prince. Like he just still is going on this assumption Fitz is just going to do it. It's because I'm sure he told Shrude and Shrude is like, "Okay, I'll get my guy on it." But mm-hmm. Shrude's way of speaking is like, "Use your judgment." Uh-huh. But here is your task. Right. It would be much better for us if he was out of the way. I guess Regal just can't grasp the concept that other people also have working minds. Right, yeah. And that they could make good judgments. Like... He's not the only player on the board. Right. <laughs> like, he has to... Everybody else isn't a pawn for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Fitz caught a whiff of wine and a subtle smoke. I wondered if he was learning his mother's habits. And he is. Mm-hmm. Um, they... in indulge in smoke a lot more in the mountain kingdom right it's also important important to note that as he's leaving regal is talking about how he's going to tell his father my father will hear about this (laughs) okay (laughs) malfoy his father he's gonna tell his father that fitz isn't doing his job and that he's not doing anything right and then he said he's gonna make his dad regret not sending uh lady time that's not how he says it but we are a PG podcast right now, so. Oh, it's a struggle sometimes. <laughs> so it's so, I don't know. I just think it's really interesting that he is like, as Fitz is leaving, talking about how he's going to report it to his dad. Like his dad is going to only take his side and not listen to any other reports at all. Yeah. I don't know. The audacity. <laughs> <laughs> It's had a uh, had an interesting day. This is, uh, I think, the shortest time period for a chapter. It's just right. one day mm-hmm. from dawn until almost dawn the ne- the next day, I would guess, or maybe midnight or something. Probably pretty late. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Interesting day. Or little Fitzy's so tired he falls asleep the second his head touches the pillow. Yeah. Reunited with Nosy. Um, reassured of Rurisk's plans for the kingdom and the marriage and the union and the hope that they provide then kind of turned away by Beric a little bit but I think that healed a little bit of the rift between them it wasn't 
avoiding each other anymore. They had a conversation, at least. Well, I think it temporarily did until he found out that... Well, no, I mean, like, even the sum of the whole thing, it's a, a point where they were ignoring each other and would, like, turn away from each other for months before this. Right. But they had a conversation. Birik left it civilly, even if he walked away from Fitz and said, don't come back to me unless you give me your word you won't do this. It leaves Fitz super sad, of course, and sick to his stomach, but it's a little bit more of, like, Birik understanding why Fitz was so upset with him all the time, sawing with him, and Fitz understanding that Birik wasn't all that evil. Right. Like, there's a little bit of a bridge rather than just wit bad, wit good. (laughs) I guess, yeah. I still can't believe his response to all this is, it's better to just have no understandings at all than having a few misunderstandings. Like, buddy, just talk. Just, Uh, like, communication, and that'll fix everything. (laughs) There are no misunderstandings when there are no understandings at all. Just like, bro... Beer can't, beer can't understand why, why the fits is good at all. Or the wit. The fits. <laughs> well. <laughs> That's true, too, actually. Yeah, you can't understand why or how Fitz thinks that the wit is good. And I'm sure he was referring with that phrase to Fitz. Like, mm-hmm. there's no understandings. You don't understand that the wit is this bad. Right. So there's no misunderstandings here. We just are better off parted. I hate it. Yep. I want them to... Be together again. Happily ever after. Yeah. Father, son. The cats in the cradle and silver spoon. <laughs> I guess they'll they'll get over it eventually, but I hate every time I have to read them being mad at each other. I just, I'm so sad. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you have any comments to send to us, please do. We are always checking them at isfitshappy at gmail.com or uh, on all of our social medias at isfitshappy. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about the people who've reached out to us. Um, This week we are recording our episode a little bit earlier than we usually do, so we haven't had a chance to really get a ton of um, replies about our most recent episode. Um, We do have a little bit to talk about, but... Just know that if you sent us something about our most recent episode, we haven't gotten it yet while we're recording, but we (laughs) will probably bring it up next time. Yeah, definitely. First off, I do want to start with uh, Joel's comment. We talked about it a little bit last week, Mm -hmm. how he said that he thought it was a, a white prophet's catalyst who was the prophet judge for the Mountain Kingdom to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, and he found us, wonderfully, he found us the um, uh, the blurb at the start of the chapter. Um, it was in Assassin's Fate, the last book, chapter 38, Ship of Dragons. Um, and the beginning there describes how a white prophet ventured out when she was young from her homeland, found a place of mountains and snow and villages, and helped an old woman raise some kids. Yeah. And then... She helped the next generation become raised and be taught and everything. And then the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And there were a bunch of kids that went through this. And one of those kids united the people. Mm-hmm. One of those kids became the first servant 
to their people, the first sacrifice. Yeah. And that's how that prophet changed the world. So yeah. it's pretty, pretty direct in its um, allusion to the mountain kingdom there. Yeah. And I was wondering with Luke off podcast, but I'll leave it now for all of you listening. I wonder if when Fool meets Ketrickin later, if he's like, oh, my gosh, a celebrity. Cause like, <laughs> because we know that he knows of all the writings of the other prophets, um, other white prophets. So he has to have heard of her lineage and how one of her great, 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 great grandmothers was a catalyst. So I just I had a funny thought that maybe he like met her and was like, oh, my gosh, a real catalyst descendant. How cool. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he was just used to the stardom because he was by Fitz the whole time, his own catalyst. Right. But I mean, Fitz hadn't technically done anything yet. <laughs> not sure he like had. The, well, a little bit, but not he like the Lady full. Grace. He sure did this thing. That's going to be at the end of the book. That's true. Like, he did a lot. But I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess, technically. But I like to think that it was like a little, like, oh my gosh, I've read so many books about your great-great-grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we also want to shout out Irene, who on Facebook said that maybe the animal from two chapters ago the that, different colored stag or whatever yes a different colored stag on the way to the mountain kingdoms could be a reindeer and um, apparently they have a white a white fur on their neck so it would be different coloring and i thought that was just a really fun another cute animal that it could be a Rather fun little mystery like a, a magical moose that's yes. a different color <laughs> <laughs> because moose are Kind Enormous. of very different yeah. from deer, but yeah. Yeah, reindeer so, would make sense, especially for the climate, too. That's true. Um, I like that theory a lot better. Yeah. Okay. A lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I like meese. <laughs> meese. Uh, right. <laughs> what else do we have? <laughs> um, also, just one quick uh, thank you to Rachel for sending us a picture of her dog, Fitz. Yes. Very cute. Loved, love the pup pick. Very, very cute. <laughs> um, she said it was he's kind of a bastard and no one wanted him, which I thought was really sad, but also kind thank you cute. for giving him a home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, thank um, you so much for everyone who was reaching out to us, talking to us, answering, um, answering comments, saying hi. We really like hearing from you guys. And even if we don't hear from you, thank you for listening to us. Um, we like getting to talk about a book we love. Yeah. We're grateful to those of you who like to listen. 